Well, friends, we are continuing our journey through the book of James. If you don't have a Bible tonight, it's a good night to have one of those. There's never a bad night to have one of those, to be clear. Uh, And then we also have handouts. Those are in the back if you missed those on the way in. Uh, Tonight, we're going to look at a passage that some people can get pretty tripped up by. And I've told you repeatedly, I think the book of James is pretty clear. It's pretty straightforward. And I would argue this passage actually is, but... Still, sometimes people get really confused by what we're going to look at tonight in James chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. I don't have a lot of preamble or cute fun stories. I just want to get into God's Word so we can start unpacking what it means for us. James 2, we're going to look at verses 14 through 26 tonight. James 2, 14 through 26. Uh, we'll, We'll read a little bit and then we'll start unpacking it and connecting it to the rest of Scripture and we'll go from there. James 2. Uh, starting in verse 14, says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Answer that question. Can that type of faith save anyone? What do you think? I saw one head shake no and heard like two people say no. Let me, let me ask again. If you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that type of faith save you? No. I wish that was a little bit more emphatic, but we'll get there throughout the rest of the night. Verse 15 says this, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, and then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Okay, let's answer that question. Does that do any good? No, No, it doesn't. In fact, that's kind of mean. Like you're seeing a person in need, you're like, well, best of luck. Whoop, keep moving. We would all agree that's not good, right? Okay, as an aside, let me just say this. Most of us don't even do that. Most of us, when we see that person who is in need of some clothing or some food or some just warmth and affection, not only do you not say anything to them, you'll cross the street to get away from them because they make you uncomfortable and your life is all about you. And I just want to warn you By looking at Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story about the least of these. And he's talking to these people who ignored them. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, we never saw you in these situations. He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So yeah, we we look at this and we're like, yeah, of course this is terrible to tell somebody who has nothing. They're cold and hungry, starving on the streets. Well, good luck. Of course that doesn't help them. Some of us need to look, ourselves, look, look within ourselves a little bit and consider how we engage with people in those situations because you do see that. But we agree that like, that does no good. If you just have empty words, it means nothing. We keep reading verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And people can start to get tripped up here because they think, well, wait a minute. If I have faith, I thought it was all about faith. We're saved by faith alone. But this is saying faith by itself isn't enough. Don't don't miss what's really being said here. Faith that produces good deeds. If you just say you believe something, but it never impacts anything you do, you don't really believe it. You just say you do. It's just empty words. You talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. If you've got a handout tonight, uh, you see I've got two blanks and an arrow in the middle. I want you to write this down. Salvation, and there's an arrow that goes across, good deeds. Salvation and good deeds. 
that arrow is pointing from salvation to good deeds because good deeds flow out of salvation. So, if you have met Jesus, He has regenerated you. You have entered into a relationship with Him. You are saved. You are born again. We could use a lot of different terminology. But whenever you hit that moment, it changes your life. And if you're in this room and you've experienced that relationship with Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. And out of that life-transforming moment, everything changes. And that's when you start to do these good things. Because the Holy Spirit of God inside of you prompts them. But here's what I think we do. We think good deeds leads to salvation. We, we flip that arrow around. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. This is what I think we do sometimes. This is, this is what I would call kind of the Americanized version of salvation. This is not on your handout. But uh, good deeds makes me a good person, which means I'm good with God. Right? Like I do more good things than bad things. Maybe I do some bad things, but certainly I do way more good things. And I'm a pretty good person. Like I have my bad days, but generally I'm a pretty good person. So that must mean I'm good with God. I'm not out here killing people. I'm not out just doing awfully heinous things that are getting me locked up. So I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm good with God. Now we're sitting here in church and you're probably like, well, of course I know theologically that's not true, Kevin. But functionally, that's how you go out and live. You think that your good deeds are going to lead to salvation instead of your salvation leading you to do good deeds. And if we get this messed up, you will live with a bad theology and you will stay far from God throughout your life. And that's a concern that I have for all of us. You think, man, I do good things. I'm a good person. I want you to see this from the Old Testament. Old school, Old Testament. Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all infected and impure with sin. Those are pretty gross words. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. If you actually get into some of the language of what's being said here, it's a much more disgusting picture. This idea of filthy rags is one that, that might make you a little uncomfortable. And so what Isaiah is trying to help us understand is your best day. Stop and think. Like your, your best day when you are at your best. It, it's nothing but a filthy rag. Like it's, it's, it's not going to get you where you want to be. You think, I am a good person. It's not about being a good person. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And once you start that relationship, it'll change you and you'll start to live your life in a different way. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7. If you're ever like, well, I don't know what to think. Let's look at what Jesus says. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And he goes on, he talks about that many on that day are going to say, Lord, we did all this stuff for you. Let me, let me put it in youth group language for you. Lord, I went on youth trips. I went to one camp. I served at OCC. I participated. I did all these things. I was a church member. Get away from me. I never knew you. One of the things that I, I get concerned about is that there are people in this room who think they have a relationship with Jesus, and you just don't. And you think because you come here on a Sunday, and you can sing some worship songs, and you know a couple Bible verses, and you're kind of more of a good person than you are a bad person, you think, I must be good with God. Maybe you were even baptized. Maybe you served somewhere. 
That does not mean that you are born again. It does not mean that you are a Christian. Just because you do some good stuff doesn't mean that you are saved. So don't get this twisted. Jesus says not everybody who claims to be a Christian actually is. You probably know people in your schools who say they're a Christian, but you know all that other stuff they do, and you're like, they're fake. They're a hypocrite. And that's true, but we've got to check ourselves. Some of us are real quick to want to look at those people, and like right now you're like, yeah, yeah, that person. Some of us need to worry about the plank sticking out of our eye before we start worrying about a speck in somebody else's. And I'm not here tonight trying to have you in this place where you're having a crisis of faith, like, oh my gosh, am I going to die and go to hell? That's not what I'm doing. But I want you to understand what salvation really is. It's a relationship with Jesus that changes you. It's not you doing a bunch of good stuff and Jesus going, all right, you made the cut, you're in. It's not how it works. Let's keep reading. James 2, 18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So James is having this hypothetical argument. Somebody's like, hey, listen, I mean, I, I, I show it because I do good stuff. I, I do good stuff, so I must have faith. And he's like, listen, you have to have faith, and that is what motivates you doing the good things. Again, let's go back to Jesus. Jesus says, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. A couple weeks ago in this series, I told you, action expresses priorities. So what people do shows what's important to them. It's easy to just talk. It's harder to actually walk. What you do will identify you. Jesus said you will be known as Christians by your love for one another. The things that you do, the way that you live. Let me give you a real life example of this. All right, let's put this picture up here. Does this look like anybody's room? Okay, that's deeply disturbing. Please get help if this is you. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, When I was in high school, my room looked a lot like this. One time, my mom was pretty sure I had snuck out uh, because I fell asleep on the floor. I had so much stuff on my floor, like... I don't even know. How does it even get there? I don't know. But it was there. And I fell asleep on the floor. And I remember her opening the door. She's like, oh my gosh, Terry. That was my dad. He snuck out. And I sat up. I was like, I'm right here. What are you talking about? But my room was a wreck. It was bad. Okay. And some of you, like this is your room. You need to work on it. But just imagine you go home tonight. Your room looks like this. And whoever you live with, your mom, dad, grandma, whoever says, hey, your room is disgusting and terrifying. I need you to clean it. And you say, okay, of course, I'll do it. But what you do is you sit down on the couch, you start binging whatever that show is because you just got to get to the end, right? Or you start doom scrolling where you just can't put this thing down. You're just scrolling, 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 five more minutes, scrolling, scrolling. Or maybe you pick up the controller, you start playing video games. Maybe you pick up a good book, like three of you who enjoy reading. You're doing something besides going to clean your room. And a couple hours go by and that parent comes back and says, hey, uh, I told you to clean your room. Did you do it? And you're like, well, I know what you said. Is that obedience? Is knowing what they said obedience? Is having intended to do it obedience? No. Well, I meant to. I just lost track of time. If you say to them, I believe my room is dirty, does that make it clean? No. And they're like, this is silly. Like, this is a silly childish example. And again, if your room looks like this, please get help. But my my point is this. When someone tells you you got to do something, it's not enough just to sit and talk about it. You have to actually be about it. 
Now, what am I saying? You got to go out and do all this good stuff to prove you're a Christian. I, I, don't, I don't even want to get to that. I want to start right here. And I want each of you to just think for a moment. Do I know I have a relationship with Jesus? When did it start? Can I look back at my life and see, hey, I, I was kind of living this way, and then I met Jesus, and boom, some things started to change. Doesn't mean everything was easy or perfect overnight. It just means I can see a clear moment in my life where Jesus intersected my life and changed the course of it forever. If you can't, if you can't think of that moment, and I'm not saying you have to be able to tell me the exact day, what you were wearing, what you had for breakfast that day. I'm saying, can you tell there's a point in time where Jesus intersected your life and changed you forever? If you can't, this is the most important thing you can ever deal with. Do you have a relationship with Jesus or not? And again, I'm not trying to scare you. And if you know you do, please don't have this crisis of faith. The problem is there are people in this room who think they do and don't. It's because you do some good stuff and you think that makes you a believer. And you actually are not. It's a big deal. James 2.19, we keep reading. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. A little sarcasm from James. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. You're like, well, I believe God is real. I believe there's one God. It's the God of the Bible. Cool. The demons not only believe that God is there, they know He is there. And that, that terrifies them because they know that He is the all-powerful, almighty God of the universe. It's not enough to just say, well, yeah, I believe God's there. I believe one day maybe I'll meet Him. You have to believe to the point of action. That's how it works. Verse 20, how foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? If you say you believe, but nothing in your life is different because of what you claim to believe, you don't really believe. Let me say that again for you. If you say you believe, but nothing in your life is different, you don't actually believe. You're just saying things. Verses 21 through 25, I won't read this part to you. James is highlighting Abraham and Rahab. And he talks about the things that they did that proved they trusted God, proved they had a relationship with God, proved their faith. Not that what they did saved them, but because of their relationship, they acted in certain ways, they did certain things. And the Bible is full of this. You go read Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Faith Hall of Fame. These people who had so much faith that they changed the way they lived their lives. Do you have faith that changes your life? On your handout, i got a couple things for you to write. My actions, number one, reveal my priorities. My actions reveal my priorities. Always. This is always true. You can take this to the bank for the rest of your life. What is important to you will show up in the things that you do. Well, I just didn't have time. No, you did not make time. Maybe you're a poor time manager. One of the things I've observed over almost two decades of being in student ministry is the number of students who will tell me, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it on Sunday. I just had a lot of homework, or I was tired, we had travel ball, or I just had this, I had whatever, so I just couldn't, I couldn't make it. And listen, if that has been you, I'm not trying to guilt you. We're busy, I get it. Some of us are too busy. But, but it's funny how when we get busy, the first thing we cut, church or small group or Bible study, or whatever. Because we view it as kind of an optional, un unnecessary thing. And if Jesus is the thing that always gets cut first in your life, your actions are revealing your priorities. 
They just are. Kevin, you're talking crazy. Like, I got to be some kind of weird, radical person who's always, you know, getting up early in the morning, reading my Bible, always at church. I'm I'm not saying all those things. I am saying your faith has to be a priority to you. And for some of us, it's just not. You do this out of obligation or some sense of duty. You show up here and you don't really want to be here. You're not trying to grow in a relationship with Jesus. You're here because somebody's making you be here or just whatever. My friends are here. Your actions will always reveal what's important to you. Remember that about your faith. Remember that as you one day enter the workforce, you start dating, you start looking at getting married. This is a principle that will help you. Someone's actions will always reveal what's a priority to them. The second thing I want you to remember is this. My actions do not save me. I know I sound like a broken record. I keep trying to get this through to you. You can't do enough good things to be saved. That's not how it works. The best person in all of history who didn't have a relationship with Jesus died apart from him and will not be in heaven. This is not my notes. Um, The best person I have ever known was my grandmother. She helped raise me. I didn't didn't have a dad growing up. That's part of my story. So I had my grandma. She was like my other parent. My grandmother was not a Christian. I had many talks with her. Would sit and try to convince her. I was a pastor. I, I thought I knew so much. I would try to have these clever arguments. My grandma, who had nothing but selflessly gave of herself. My grandma, who was kind and sweet, she died apart from Jesus. She was the best person I've ever known. I don't believe she's in heaven. I don't believe I'll see her one day. Like, man, that's harsh. It is. Sometimes the truth is harsh. And it hurts me to say that. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. Some of you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm concerned that you don't think it's a priority enough to deal with that. You think, hey, I'll do it when I'm older. I'll figure it out later. You're not promised tomorrow. Wow, what a bummer of a message, right? I know, but hear me out. This is the most important thing you can ever figure out for yourself. You've got to deal with this now, not later. The Bible says over and over and over, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. James 2.26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. To my friend who, you are a Christian, you know, hey, I, I know I put my faith in Jesus. I know I'm doing my best, but I'm struggling. Let me just encourage you, keep going. You may feel like the stuff that you're doing doesn't make a difference. No one sees. No one notices. God sees. He notices. And I believe that He rewards your faithfulness. And that reward may take years to come. You may not even get that reward this side of eternity. But I believe God sees that. Keep going. Don't grow weary. Your good deeds aren't going to save you, but they're going to prove out your salvation. Think about somebody in your life who you know loves Jesus. Think about the way they live their life. You can see it all over them. The way they deal with people, the way that they handle their finances, the way that they love the people in their lives. It shows up. It just does. Years and years and years ago, I read a book called The Irresistible Revolution by a guy named Shane Claiborne. And in that, uh, there's a quote that stuck with me for years and years. It says, I am alone, surrounded by unbelieving activists and inactive believers. Where are the true Christians? 
Man, you can go be a part of a ton of great organizations out there who are doing a ton of great things in the world. But if you don't have the message of Christ, you're giving them something that's incomplete. At the same time, we can come in here and sit and say we've got all the theology right, we know the Bible, we're believers, but you're sitting on your butt and you're not doing anything because of that. I would push you even further and say that an inactive believer, I have some real questions if they actually believe or not. But my point is this, if you say you're a Christ follower, you have to go and do something about it. You are not saved just so you can get beamed up to heaven when you die. You are saved to glorify God, and that starts here in this life. Your life should be different because of your faith. You will act on your beliefs. This is an example I always use. I've been using it for a long, long time. If you heard it before, bear with me. What I'm about to say is not true. Everyone look at me. I don't want anybody to panic. What I'm about to say is not true. Okay? If I told you there was a bomb in this building, there's not. But if I told you there was, and it was going to go off in 30 seconds, all y'all, yeah, Peter's like, I'm out. Don't even want to risk it. You would immediately get out of this building. You wouldn't sit here and be like, I just don't believe it. Like, you would run just to be safe. Because you believe the bomb's going to go off. And if you're still here, bad things would happen. If you actually believe that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he rose from the dead, he's coming back, you're going to act on that. I'm afraid a lot of us just don't. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite the band back up. It's a big band. It's going to take one minute to get here. Try to stay with me. Don't get distracted. We do this thing. We're like, who's moving? What's going on? Uh, I want to read to you some of the lyrics of the song we're about to sing. It's from a song called Promises. It says, I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. All of us have faith of one type or another. Some of us are putting our faith in Jesus. Others of us are putting our faith in ourselves, our work ethic, our bank account, our relational equity. Like You're putting your faith in something. This song's going to talk about putting our faith in Jesus, our anchor to the ground. An anchor is going to help you be where you want to be. And not get blown away by all the craziness that's going on in the world. It says that he's my hope and my firm foundation. Jesus talks in Matthew 7 about those who put their faith in him. It's like building on rock. And when the wind and the waves, the storms of life come, you'll be able to endure through all that stuff. You're young, but I know you've been through some things. Even just these last couple years in the world, it's been wild, the stuff you've dealt with. And when you put your faith in Jesus, it doesn't take those things away, but it does give you a different perspective on how to deal with them. And this last line says, he'll never let me down. Listen to me. I'm 36 years old. I've been following Jesus for exactly half of my life. My life has been hard sometimes, but I have never been let down by Jesus. Ever. Even when the bad stuff happens. My faith is in him. I believe he's good, and I believe he will always be working things out for my good and ultimately for his glory. So I challenge you to consider where your faith is, to think about this as we sing this song. And man, if you're in this great place, pray for the people around you who maybe are not. And thank God for how he's been faithful to you. And if you're unsure about where you are, let me just challenge you. You can talk to somebody tonight during the song. You can talk to somebody after the song, in group, whatever. Don't just hear this and be like, okay, cool, and then leave. I challenge you to take a step. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We don't deserve your love, but you give it to us. My prayer tonight is, 
God, first, for those who follow you in this room, I pray that their faith would grow, that you would strengthen them, help them to hang on, even when everything in the world is telling them just to let go. Help us to trust you. Help us to live our faith out in a way that shows the world that you are a good and loving Father. God, I also pray for the people in this room who don't know you, some of whom, God, think they do. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would convict them, give them clarity, help them to see where they really are in their relationship or lack thereof with you. As we sing in these next few minutes, speak, Holy Spirit, and give us ears to hear. We love you.